We are so excited to announce that we're going to be running a new motherhood support group. Starting September 8th, Sina and I will be leading a 10-part group to help reduce stress and cope with the challenges of new motherhood. This workshop offers new moms with babies from zero to one weekly group sessions that cover issues such as body image, the impact of motherhood on relationships and identity, mindful parenting, and self-care. The new motherhood support group will provide a space for connection, safety, and empowerment as we embark on the journey of parenting together. You will leave this workshop with a better understanding of motherhood and friendships with other new moms. The workshop will start September 8th and be on Thursdays from 12 to 1.30 p.m. You can register on Eventbrite, link to our website and Instagram at lovelink.co, or email us at info at lovelink.co if you want to learn more. Hope to see you there. Hi, Lovelink listeners. We hope everyone is staying safe and healthy during these turbulent times of the coronavirus. In this episode, Sina and I sat down to discuss our own experiences and reflections of the coronavirus and how we're helping our clients manage their feelings and anxiety during a time of uncertainty and social isolation. We recorded this conversation on March 15th, and as we know, the state of the pandemic, our cities, and its policies shift day by day. By the time you listen to this episode, circumstances will likely have changed, but managing our emotions will be a constant, so we hope you enjoy the episode. self-quarantining or, or, you know, social distancing can make things feel like we're already in some catastrophic state because people are like, oh, the world is turned upside down. I'm in quarantine, disaster, when actually what we're doing right now is preventing a catastrophe. Welcome to Lovelink, your guide to love and connection in all forms. We are your hosts, Sina Simon and Simone Humphrey. So hi, Sina. Hi, Simone. This is so weird because we're looking at each other through a screen right now. I know. It is weird. So this is our first episode where we're separated. We're practicing social distancing right now. And today we thought it would be very apt to do an episode on the coronavirus and its effects that it's having on all of us. Um, this is really a kind of universal experience that we're all sharing right now. This is a really unique time in our history. I've never experienced anything like this. Yeah, I just got off the phone with my dad and we were talking about how this is a total shift in consciousness for people. Right? Yeah, Like we're so used to just the comforts of daily life and taking for granted our daily lives and the and the functioning of the world and suddenly that's all shifted and it shatters all our assumptions about how we live our lives absolutely it is so interrupting our routine our physical routine our mental routine what to expect in the future our plans i mean this is shaking things up And I think one of the reasons we wanted to do this episode is because there's so much out there right now on how to keep physically healthy, but there's not a lot right now being talked about on mental health, not only its impact, but also how to take care of ourselves right now, because this is going to disrupt our lives in a a pretty significant way, short-term, if not long-term. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, when I was doing a little bit of a Google search on uh, mental health during the coronavirus, something that came up was that um, the lack of social connection is actually the number one killer in this country above obesity, high blood pressure and smoking. Uh, mm. And so above Corona, right? <laughs> so staying socially connected during this time and, and maintaining one's mental health is super important. I've been really connecting to friends virtually in the last few days. Mm. So I'm, I'm here right now with my husband. So I do have social contact in that respect, but I have been talking in particular to a lot of my single friends. I think this is a really tough time for people that live alone mm-hmm. and are either dating in an early relationship or um, are, are single. And and being able to talk to them and reach out to them is important for me to stay connected, but also kind of getting an insight into how scary it is to really not have anyone that you're seeing day in and day out. One of the things I noticed when I spoke to them, because I did a lot of video calls, which I never do, mm-hmm. is that actually it was it was very connecting in a way that I think prior to this, I had really dismissed as being something that's just not nearly as satisfying as in-person contact. But when you're in a situation where you're forced to think of alternative ways to communicate with people, and maybe this was my own perspective, or maybe this was just something that um, is circumstantial, but it, it really actually felt nice to be able to talk to people through video and feel like they were really there. Yeah, yeah. I've been surprised by that too, by just seeing, I haven't um, talked to friends over video, but I have spoken over the phone and that's felt connecting. And I've, I have started doing um, sessions, therapy sessions uh, through video conference. And I've been also really surprised by how well it works. I thought it would be very disconnecting not to be in the same room as someone, but it actually, it, it actually, it actually works. There's actually, mm. and it's more intimate in a way. Right. right? You're in their bedroom. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah, seen a lot of bedrooms this week. <laughs> really are you enter into their world in a way that you can't enter into in the office of course the office is probably more intimate emotionally but I don't know it has a different there's a different feel you learn something new about people right and you're inviting them into your world so they're seeing your space too yeah 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 so how have your clients been what have you been noticing so I've been noticing um so like you I see both couples and individuals, and uh, a lot for the individuals, a lot of anxiety about um, feelings of loneliness um, and where those feelings could lead, right? Uh, really worry about moving uh, back into feelings of depression or panic. And for couples, it's heightening the potential for conflict because suddenly, Couples that are already going through a difficult time are having to spend all their time together. There's no break, right? Like there is in daily life. And so it becomes a lot about anticipating 
potential conflicts that they could be getting into or already feeling the tension of spending so much time together. You really learn the importance of space in romantic relationships. Yeah, yeah. And that when there isn't any space, couples, that those boundaries become really diffuse. Have you noticed anything about you and John? I think we're, we're really practicing a lot of parallel play, mm-hmm. which is something I don't think we do all that much. Oftentimes, if we're separate, I have plans or he has plans or when we're together in the apartment, it's like we're having dinner together or watching a movie or we're reading maybe in parallel ways before we go to bed. But now the last few days, we've had all this time. There's a lot of him in the living room and me in the bedroom and both of us doing our separate things for really long periods of time. And there's not as much a distinction of time together versus time separate. Mm. There's something that I think we need to really work on and, and something that I'm thinking about for the couples that I work with is how do you schedule time together when you're spending all your time together? Mm-hmm. You know, much more intentional time. And it's already hard enough to do that yeah. on a weekly schedule. So when you're really spending all this time together and then the last thing on your mind is spending intentional time together, I think it's really important. So a challenge for me is, is I've been dating somebody for... Uh, almost nine months now, but we haven't spent an extended amount of time together, like multiple days. And he's probably going to be here for at least the next week living in my apartment. So that'll be really interesting for us. Just interesting to see what will come up as we're living our daily lives together and our routines and all of that. So this is really speeding things up for you in some way. In a way, yeah. And it's also really been very bonding because I've had some anxiety. He has had some anxiety also about potential exposure at one point. Right. And uh, so we've had to really be there for each other and provide each other comfort in a new way that we haven't had to before. We haven't mm. faced any crises yet or right. anything like that. So. Right. This is a real challenge that you have to kind of share. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm both really excited about it on one level and also a little anxious. Mm, what are you anxious about? Um, I'm anxious about the unknown, similar to my anxiety about the coronavirus. Just is there anything we don't know about each other that will trigger something. I don't think so. I don't can't imagine that there is, but it's just an unknown. It's just sitting with the unknown because we haven't had this type of experience before. Right, right. Well, good luck. Keep me posted. (laughs) (laughs) I think you bring a really good point up around uncertainty because I think that is so much at the heart of what the coronavirus uh, panic is really all about is that we don't really know how bad this is gonna get. We don't really know how our leadership is gonna handle this. And so we're all sitting with this uncertainty. Are we going to experience something similar to Wuhan where we're gonna have deaths all around us, lockdown, we're not gonna be able to leave, we have to stock up on our all supplies, or is this something that will pass? And yes, there's a little bit of a scare, but really we can go about our daily lives and just be more conscious of it. I think, I think that uncertainty really um, 
creates a huge spectrum of reactions among people, some of whom are going about their daily lives like nothing has changed, and some of whom are completely quarantined and buying, you know, buying a whole grocery store out of toilet paper and canned goods. Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting to watch Instagram stories this week, because some people really are out. They are having dinner at restaurants, going to bars, shopping, and then other people are on, like you said, on full lockdown mode. It makes me think of the bell curve that we talk about in in research and psychology around anxiety, and that there's an optimal level of anxiety, that when you have too little anxiety, it's hard for us to feel motivated, it's hard for us to take action. When you have too much anxiety, we go into panic and we tend to freeze and we're totally overwhelmed and we're, we're paralyzed. It's too much. And it actually starts to really hurt us mentally and emotionally. But then there's that kind of optimal peak level of anxiety that allows us to feel aware, allows us to feel a little kind of heightened sense of what we need to do and um, motivates us to take action. So I think during this period, while any emotion and any reaction is in some ways completely natural because we don't know what to expect and that we shouldn't feel judgment on anyone, this is ultimately fear. And some people cope with fear in different ways. Some people avoid it completely. Some people go into panic. And every way of doing it is natural. But when we think about something that's most helpful or most effective, I think there is a kind of window of anxiety where we feel like, okay, let me think about how to take this seriously. I'm concerned. I want to take care of myself. I want to kind of take care of others, but not feel like it's impairing us or affecting us to the point where we're crippled by it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that finding that optimal level of anxiety, I think that's that's the challenge, but also <laughs> the thing to strive towards during right. this time because uh, we do need a little bit of anxiety, right? right? To mobilize us to do certain things. Yeah, and ethically take care of others too. Yeah. I think it's I think the the idea around social distancing for as much as we want to be cautious and not isolate and become depressed, we also don't want to fuel the virus and go to big groups and then see people that are more at risk. You know, I think for a lot of people that are young and healthy, that's a very privileged place to be. Mm -hmm. And it's also a responsibility to make sure that you're safe and not spreading things to people that really are in in quite a bit of danger um, if they get contaminated. I also think about how um, self-quarantining or, or, you know, social distancing can make things feel like we're already in some catastrophic state. Because people are like, oh, the world is turned upside down. I'm in quarantine. You know, it's a disaster. When actually what we're doing right now is preventing a catastrophe. Also sort of parsing that out a little bit. If, if you're feeling anxious about being home, okay, am I anxious because I'm feeling lonely? Am I anxious because I'm feeling like the world is falling apart right now? Like what's happening? And okay, so the world is falling apart right now. Is it really or are we preventing the world from falling apart by, right now? So it gives it staying home meaning, right? Like I'm doing something positive by staying home and taking care of myself and other people. 
rather than it's the doomsday that I'm staying home. Yes. And that's such a beautiful perspective because it gives us a sense of purpose around what we're doing. We're not hiding. And when we feel like we're hiding, we're going to, we're going to trigger a sense of fear versus protection, which is much more empowering. We invite you to spend the next few moments to just listen. Brought to you by Non, spelled N-O-N, the sound meditation app for iPhone, where no two sessions are alike. So something we talked about was just like some tips for managing anxiety during this time. Do you have any thoughts on what's been helpful for you or for people that you see in your practice? Yeah, I think anxiety management in this situation is probably similar to any situation where we're feeling anxious. I think like the very basics is staying healthy, still eating well, still um, being physical. Actually, being physical is probably even more important now than ever because we're so limited if we're um, staying inside. So riding a bike or running or going to a place where there's fewer people um playing i play tennis and actually that's a really perfect social distancing activity (laughs) that's actually yeah that's a perfect sport for this yeah yeah so definitely making sure you're getting out of the house i think like just not being in sun and not seeing trees and not feeling the the cool air on your face is enough to make anyone depressed. So making sure we leave the apartment and then figure out things to do that are fun and relaxing. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about exercise actually, when you mentioned, um, you know, going outside because I canceled my gym membership today or I put it on hold, but you know, who knows, this could be like a three month self quarantine That's a good reminder for everyone out there. If you're not going to go to the gym for a few months. (laughs) Yeah, put that on hold or cancel it. Yeah. They were very accommodating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But I did purchase some um, dumbbells, like adjustable dumbbells online. And I downloaded the Nike app, whatever. It's like an app with workouts. And um, I know there's also this app Down Dog. I think they're giving it away for free for a couple of weeks. So there are like these different videos you can watch to do exercise at home, which I think can be, you know, rather than just trying to figure it out yourself, because I can, even when I'm at the gym, I only take classes because I can't do anything on my own. But having somebody guide you through exercises can be helpful and being really intentional about doing it it at a particular time of day. 
Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if they're going to be doing more virtual classes now yeah. that yeah now that a lot of gyms are probably losing business i know there was one um membership that i joined when i wasn't going to the gym which was yoga glow mm-hmm. where they stream classes every single day so there's infinite yoga classes and sometimes Ooh. you're doing it with a class so you feel like you're not alone and sometimes it's just the teacher but yeah i think this is a time when we're going to have to get creative Get creative, not only socially, but get creative in terms of things that we do on our own. I think so often, I mean, coming from New York City, we're so busy all the time. I mean, that, that can be alone something that I talk about with my clients regularly. Like, how do you slow yourself down to be able to not only tune into yourself, but also give yourself space to do what's important to you. And in some ways, I think this is a time when people are really forced to slow down and, and think about, well, what do I want to do in my free time? What are my interests? What makes life meaningful to me? So I think to your point about this being kind of a, a real um, like existential period, like I think it's really... Com- bringing a lot to the surface that is so easy to push away when you're busy all the time. Yeah, people really have to sit with themselves now, right? right. And, and think about what is the meaning of my life? What do yeah. I want to be doing rather than just being in like the hamster wheel of daily life and work and right. all that that entails. And it does make me think too about anxiety because it's not just anxiety about what's literally going to happen Um, to us in terms of quarantining or are we going to contract a virus, but also around death. Now that we're reading more about death and sickness, even if it's statistically not that high, all of a sudden just the idea of death plants a whole kind of context for people to reflect in a different way. Absolutely. Right, because that's the common denominator. We're all going to die at some point. Um, but we can ignore so it most of the time. <laughs> we can ignore it most of the time, but it's it's actually really good if we can tolerate thinking about our own death. Yeah. And what, because then what does life mean? What do you want life to mean? Right. And what's important to you? And, and then I think that really magnifies the feelings that you have for the people in your life. The people that you're close to are the ones that are really meaningful. And how can I use this time to, to deepen the ties that I have or to check in? You know, I noticed that I've been in so much more contact with old friends that I haven't spoken to in a while. Yeah. I have a big group chat with some of my high school friends. I've talked to... Um, I've talked to people from grad school. So just kind of checking in with each other and it's really kind of forming this this sense of connectedness in ways that I don't think we would have otherwise. Yeah, that's been really one of the most beautiful aspects of this time is reaching out to old friends and having people reach out to me in that same way. It's like, oh, people you I haven't really spoken to very often. Or actually I got a message today from somebody who I don't really feel that close to and I was actually (laughs) surprised they they were like how are you doing and I was but it was really nice it was like oh I'm held in the minds of other people during this time that is Um, really nice um and I also yeah just feeling more compelled to want to contact people in my family and 
Um, so there's a silver lining in all is. of this. I mean, as, as horrible as this is, and hopefully this passes and we're all safe and healthy, I think there's also a really kind of golden opportunity for us intrapersonally and for us in our relationships, too. So let's talk about dating. Because you mentioned that you talked to somebody who's single and struggling because this time it's just it's hard to date now it's hard to find a partner right now it can feel like you have to put dating on hold for the next foreseeable future and that's really hard when you want to feel connected and you want to find somebody to be with yeah yeah I think it's a really it can be a really disappointing period of my life is on hold. I've had to cancel plans that I thought I would take. I've had clients who were going on vacation or had even a date scheduled and then canceled because do they really want to put themselves at risk with a stranger who they've never met? Mm. Um, and and yeah, a client and even a friend talking about, well, you know what? I'm. This is just going to be a time where I'm going to have to stop dating altogether. And I challenge that. I I think, yes, it is disappointing. And yes, it does make it difficult to see people and really cultivate in-person relationships if you're planning on wanting to either quarantine or wanting to really limit your contact. But also, as we were talking, it's a great opportunity to really connect with people. And so there's a different type of connection that you create with someone around a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And so with with one of the clients that I've been working with, we've been talking about, yeah, how how can you still develop a romantic relationship with someone even if you don't see them? What would it be like to chat for a while and then schedule a phone date? Or um, decide to, instead of you know jumping right to an in-person date, jumping right to a virtual date, video mm-hmm. date, and how to get playful around that. Can you schedule dinner and both of you sit down for dinner? Can you schedule oh, a cute. cocktail and sit down for a cocktail and really make it feel like it's a date rather than an awkward video conferencing call where you're screening a person? Like if this is a new way of interacting with people as is our life, like our work and our livelihood will be more virtual right now, our contact with friends, why can't dating be the same way? In a way, it makes it easier to date more people because you don't have to go anywhere. (laughs) More time on your hands. Yeah. You have a lot of time on your hands. You can schedule back to back. (laughs) Yeah, back to back. Yeah. Um, And it also heightens everything, like you were saying, because we're in this time where everybody's feeling a bit more anxious, a bit more fearful, wanting to be more connected. It It can actually heighten that feeling of excitement about connecting with somebody new. Right. Um, and you the can possibility skip. of having a deeper, deeper relationship with someone. Right, right. And skip all of the awkward small talk or trying to find shared interests or what should we, what, what's an interesting conversation. You have something right here, right now that we're all living. And it's, it's tons of material, actually. Tons of material. It's a great conversation starter. Yeah. I wonder, do you think people can meet in a park and not touch each other, but just go for a walk? Would that be 
I don't, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, <laughs> so I don't know if, that's, if I should be advising that. But it seems like a lot of people are hanging out outside and you can still kind of be distant from the other person. Yeah, I think probably but it depends on your level of comfort. Yeah. And then it also depends on where we're going to be as a city and what we're going to be mandated to do. But I, I think if you feel comfortable going to a park, it's certainly less, uh, more safe than going to a restaurant or a crowded bar. Right, as long as you don't touch the other person. Right, right. So no smooches? No smooches. (laughs) And absolutely no casual sex, which I think will be interesting for some people. Yeah. An interesting challenge. I think casual sex could be a real popular, um, like virtual casual sex. Oh, yeah, that's true. Having video sex. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Right. Rather than having that mostly for long-term relationships and long distance that people can meet up instead of for a one night stand, you can have a one night video sex session. Yeah. Just make sure they're not recording it. That's the only thing. Yeah. If you're worried about video recording, then you can do phone sex. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And the other thing which you brought up was how lots of people are feeling disappointed you know some people are feeling disappointed about not being able to date which again we would challenge because this is actually a perfect dating opportunity perfect um but there are also disappointments around like canceled weddings canceled travel plans uh you know i was reading an article recently about uh college sports teams how they're not going to be those athletes aren't going to be able to compete now in the season the spring season and you know that can lead to all kinds of disappointments about whether they'll be recruited yeah disappointing and and scary for a lot of people who have businesses that rely on being open and and continuing to pay overhead i think there's a huge financial crisis that a lot of people are facing and will continue to face in mm-hmm. many months, if not years to come from this. Absolutely. And there, and that's a very realistic fear that your whole life could really be impacted. I mean, we've had to cancel a couple workshops that we were thinking about doing too. Right, right. We, we were supposed to go to a conference next week. Yeah. That we had a booth in. Yeah. And I, I can imagine someone who planned and scheduled a wedding. That's, you know, that's a whole year of putting a lot of work into something that if you have to put off adds a lot of stress and anxiety so i think some of that is like reminding yourself like yeah it's so normal and natural and and if you didn't feel that way it wouldn't be important to you so it's honoring like this is this is telling us like we really lost something that was important and then to your point i think thinking of other ways to um enjoy ourselves other things that we can come up with that will be exciting because i think that that's that's the biggest piece is that you had something that was so exciting that gave you so much joy or that was really important to you so what else can you do to to give yourself that right 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 it's kind of like thinking about what was the feeling that i was seeking from that experience in a way right like going to a conference it's disappointing because you know we wanted to feel connected to colleagues 
Okay. Yeah. If there, are there other ways to feel connected and also to learn something new during this time? So sort of like figuring out maybe what, what, are the, what are the feelings we're seeking, but also what we were hoping for from that experience. And you can't replicate everything, but there, I think there are some opportunities to still tap into those feelings, even right. if you're not having the experience directly. And maybe honoring that moment in a different way. Like if you had a plan to, to have a wedding, maybe doing something with your fiance that's really special yeah. and having something that's virtual, maybe inviting all your guests to witness something um, like a first dance between the two of you mm-hmm. or, um, or yeah, for our, for the conference that we were going to go to next week, they're offering a virtual one. So maybe being able to, um, connect with a colleague and be able to talk about it so that you do have that chance to process it and and feel like you're experiencing it in a modified but still fulfilling way. Right, right. So I think the thing that's been helpful is, you know, I can't be so reassuring because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm in the same boat as everybody. I mean, we all are in the same boat. Nobody really knows for sure. But if history is a guide, this period will end. And so that's maybe not in the next four weeks, maybe not even in the next six months, but it will eventually end. And um, um, that that can provide some reassurance for people that it's not just going to last forever. Right, right. There's an end point. And maybe to balance it with the idea of for now, this is kind of potentially a new norm. Yeah. So how can you live with this in a way that feels manageable and tolerable while still holding on to the hope that this is going to pass? Right. Balancing both of that. How, how would you recommend, I mean, if someone were to actually contract coronavirus... Um, what do you, what do you think? I mean, on a, obviously on a physical health level, contacting their doctor, figuring out if it gets worse enough to go to the hospital, but how should people kind of manage their internal worlds if they get sick? Yeah, I think that's a challenging one, but what I would say, I mean, I think it's kind of going back to where we started, which is how do we manage anxiety about the coronavirus in general, which is sticking to the start, the starting point is sticking to the facts, right? So if you're, um, you know, like us in our early 30s and healthy, chances are you're going to have a bad flu for up a to week. a couple of weeks or maybe right. just a week, right? Chances are you, you might not, you might get really severe or you might not have that many symptoms, Again, disclaimer, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but if, from what I've read, the data says, okay, you know, it's something to be concerned about and you should get rest and you should, you know, take medicine to alleviate symptoms, but it's not a death sentence. Right, right. So that's important to um, keep in mind. I almost think that the thing that might be harder for people is if they have family members that get sick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what do you and think I, about that if like family members family members get sick? I think a lot of people are really scared. I mean, I I know my parents are now both technically senior citizens, and so it is more scary to think about what could happen if they contract it. And I think By the way, isn't that totally weird? Like my mom became a senior citizen this year, and I was like <laughs> 
wait, what? <laughs> because both, I mean, let's be honest, both of our mothers are still in really good health. Yeah, My father too. Great. So in, in some ways I'm, I'm, yeah, I feel good that they're still active. Even if they contract it, they don't have underlying conditions. I mean, they're very healthy. Right. However, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal to recognize that our parents, the unfallible parents are getting older and are at more risk. I know. Yeah. It makes me, I suddenly feel like an adult. Right. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. To recognize your parents are older means that we're, we're adults. Yeah. Right. We're the, right. We're the next generation of adults. And that it's no longer our parents taking care of us. Oh, yeah. That that we're going to be taking care of them. And if they're sick, you know, how how are we going to act? How are we going to help and support them? And it will be our responsibility to take right. care of them. It yeah. will be. It will be. So I, I think it's important to, to stay in contact. I mean, whether you get sick or whether your family gets sick, to stay in contact Mm-hmm. to um, to make sure you're updating people. If you're noticing you have the flu and it's just mild, let the people you know in your life, especially if you're living alone, just so that people are aware, just so that people are checking in so that you can gauge when it's a good time to go into the hospital, um, when, when it's okay to just stay at home and recover. And then similarly, if your family or friends get sick, kind of showing, showing up for them and supporting them. I think really the biggest piece of this is, is showing support, showing you care and talking about what the best decision is, talking through it because every case is going to be different. And a good part of the anxiety mobilizes us to stay safe. So if you do have parents or older, or you do have family members who are immune compromised, that maybe you should really, really seriously consider self-quarantining for 14 days if you have any plans to interact with them. I think the worst thing would be uh, to give a, a parent or somebody who's sick the virus um, and then feel some sense of responsibility about that. So we do have to, I mean, I think leaning into a little bit of anxiety just to help us stay, stay safe in a really practical way, uh, that, that feels very important right now. Right, right. Yeah, that, that especially for these at more at-risk populations that we really need to be very cautious. If you're working in an environment where you're interacting with elderly or sick or you're seeing your family, really making sure... Um, that you are healthy and you're well. And in a situation where a lot of us are feeling like we don't have so much control or, or no control, this is actually something we have control over. Absolutely. This is a, this, so I think that's also important to remember, like what are the things we do have control over? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is the, the, one of the biggest ways to help manage our anxiety is feeling like we're not powerless to this. Right, right, which we aren't. Which we, we aren't, we yeah, right. We, we have a responsibility to flatten the curve. So I think that wraps us up with how to take care of yourself, with how to be kind to yourself, with how to be emotionally and mentally healthy during this period, because this will pass, but it's also a time that we really, it's, it's an opportunity to really reflect on what's important and how to take care of ourselves and others. Yeah, I agree. This is a great opportunity 
to reflect on how we can be connected both to ourselves, to others, and, and to people who are across the globe, right? We really are learning that we're very, very interconnected, and hopefully we can learn a thing or two so that we can help our environment one day. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right, Simone, stay safe. Stay safe and healthy. Thanks, Bye. lovely listeners. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. To stay in touch with us, sign up for our quarterly newsletter at lovelink.co, where we share our favorite articles and resources about love, sex, and relationships. Also, in future episodes, we plan on answering listener questions. So if you'd like your questions featured on our show, send us a voice memo using the Anchor app or send it directly to our email, info at lovelink.co. And if you have a second, truly, the best way you can help support us is to rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. Just scroll to the bottom of the Loveling show page and let us know what you think. We thank you all again so much for listening. We're truly touched you take the time out of your busy schedule for us. Until next time. Mm-hmm.